This morning, if you're following along, I'd like to go to Psalms chapter 51. There are many treasuries in the Psalms as we read them from time to time or portions of them time to time. Certainly many treasuries there. So Psalm 51, uh, as we start out, we'll see that the psalmist realizes there is a problem and sees and understands that, yeah, there is a problem, knows that there must be something done about this problem, and knows what it is that could uh, remedy this problem, and uh, also knows why this will be done. So Psalm 51, and I think I'll read the first seven verses. I don't know if we'll get that far or not, but let's, let's do that. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shaped in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden parts thou shalt make me no wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. So like I said, I don't know how far we'll get this morning. But if we don't make it to verse 7, that would be something good for you to study this week about hyssop and cleansing everything. Lord willing, we'll take that up uh, next week if it be his will. But So let's start in, in verse 1. Have mercy upon me, O God, According to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. So he says, have mercy on me. Mercy, well, the definition of mercy is a, a disposition that tempers justice and leads to the infliction of a lighter punishment than the law or justice warrants. So, uh, we may have somebody in a, in a court case, uh, whatever the charges may be, and maybe there's come time for the jury to, uh, or judge to pass sentence or whatever, and maybe this person might not say, hey, I didn't do it, or whatever, might just say, yeah, I'm guilty, and have mercy on me. In other words, give me a lighter sentence than what the law says you can give me. So that's what this is saying here. Have mercy on me. He didn't ask for justice, you'll notice. A lot of people want justice. But do you want justice? Do we want what we deserve? He didn't ask that the Lord would judge him according to his actions. But judge him according to his mercy. 
And Mort reminds us oft times that he would uh, judge us according to his mercy, not according to our merit. Certainly we don't want what we deserve. We don't want judged in that manner. Now some do. Some feel they may look at you, well, I'm better than them. And in fact, many do. Many that are in buildings with steeples on top of it uh, judge this way as well. That, well, you know, I'm, I'm not perfect, but I'm better than this person. I'm better than this person. I'm better than this person. What does, uh, does that impress God? Turn to Luke chapter 18. Our Lord Jesus Christ uh, gives a, uh, an illustration or to, uh, well, is to, to a mixed multitude there, but it's written down in Luke for our learning and our admonition. And it's, I think, very plain, very pointed, and applicable today as it was then. So Luke chapter 18, and, and let's begin in verse 9. And this is the Lord. And he spoke this parable unto certain who trusted in themselves, that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other a tax collector or publican. And, and let's pause there for a moment. So the Pharisees, these were the people, sometimes they're referred to as lawyers. Today they call them legalists. But they knew the law of Moses. They spent, that was their, uh, that's how they spent their life, that was their vocation, so to speak. They knew that law of Moses more than just 10. All 600 and plus that there are, they knew them inside and out. And they could tell if this person did this or did that. Now, they knew it in the letter of the law, the literal sense. And that's all that they could see. So, but in that, before Christ came, and the apostles and Paul began preaching grace and so forth, began preaching that the Lord was our Sabbath and not a certain day of the week. Now, the Pharisees, they could tell, you know, I said there were several Sabbaths. I don't know how many there are. Uh, but the Pharisees could have told you, yeah, there's seven-day Sabbath. Uh, sometimes we got this high Sabbath on the Wednesday, these different feast days. There's a uh, seventh year uh, Sabbath of the land. There's a 70th, 70th year of Jubilee Sabbath. The Pharisees could have told you every one of them. And, and they would tell you what broke those laws. You could walk so far. And I, forget, I keep forgetting, was it a little under a mile? I can't remember now. You could, you could walk. You could do no labor. And these Pharisees, they knew all that. And so, again, before Jesus came... And before Jesus said, hey, I, I'm the Sabbath. Before the apostles and Paul was, was, was teaching about grace, before that, these Pharisees, they were highly esteemed. Everybody looked up to these Pharisees. They knew the law and everything. And I said before, when Jesus came, the Pharisees was the biggest enemy to Christ. 
as I see it, including Saul Tarsus, who later became the Apostle Paul. We know certainly that he was the biggest enemy to the church. So anyway, that's who the Pharisees were at one time. These were highly esteemed people. They knew the law inside and out. They didn't understand it, but they knew the letter of the law. So that's one of these. When went to the temple to pray. And then you have the other one was a publican or tax collector. And I, I want to take a minute first to look at that, who this really would have been. So today we have our IRS. And you say, well, is that equivalent to that? No, not really. That's different. Uh, so we have taxes. We, have, we pay county taxes. We have sales tax. Uh, we have state taxes we pay. We have uh, federal taxes we pay. So we have all these taxes we pay. Uh, but let's say, let me use a little bit of science fiction. So whatever you think the IRS, we know we have to have money to, to run the country and everything like that. So I'm not talking about, we, so we have that. Israel had their system where they paid into the temple and so forth. But what these tax collectors were, these publicans, see, these were under Roman government at that time, Israel was. And the Roman government taxed them. So somebody coming around with their hand out saying, okay, this is for the Roman government. You've you got to pay your taxes. Okay, you're paying these other taxes. So like today, if we had a spaceship come and had this power over us, and I, well, no, John Doe here was a publican tax collector. Would you like to see him when they, so this is just going straight to this, spaceship, and they do whatever they want with it. And they've got power over us. You're still paying all these other taxes. So here's John Doe comes around. Buddy, I need, I don't know, 40% of your income. Well, I'm paying these other taxes. Claire May, need 40%. Well, I'm paying all these other taxes. My goodness, I don't have anything left. Eh, this people in the spaceship, they don't really care. I'm just collecting for them. Or John Doe is. What would you think of those people collecting money for the Roman government? So that's who this was. Now, I don't know the circumstances. Did they do it to get favor with the Roman government? Uh, I don't know why they did it. Or they were probably some type of reward. I don't know that. We know some of the apostles and disciples were. So anyway, so this is who they went to the temple to pray. One was the Pharisee. The other was this publican, tax collector for the Roman government. Now let's go back and look at that. Verse 10. Well, let's just go all the way back to verse 9 again. And he spoke a parable to certain who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector or publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee, and let me just, well, I'll read it and then we'll come back to that. 
The Pharisee stood and prayed uh, thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as a tax collector. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. So here comes this one, this, this uh, Pharisee. We know he's highly esteemed in everything. And he comes to the temple. And he, he starts out. God, I thank thee. So does that make whatever comes next okay? Does that make whatever comes next right and correct? You might say, well, you'd think it would. God, I, as long as he thanks God... I was, had a conversation one time, and I, I know I feel a little differently about prayer than some do. I, I think, uh, as it says, you know, we pray to consume it upon our own lust. Then, uh, but anyway, some believe you can just pray for anything. But one individual says, I prayed for this certain thing to happen. And this is something that this person wanted very deeply. And he prayed that this would happen. That God would give them this particular thing they were praying for. And he said, and after I got it, I thank God. Does that make it right? Does that justify whatever he, this person would ask for? Did they, did they, was the purpose in asking for this so they could thank God? No, it wasn't. The purpose in asking because they wanted this. Now, we want things. I feel differently than some do about praying for it. But their, their, their motive in, in asking for this wasn't so, oh, I can praise God for it, that I can thank God for it. That wasn't their motive. That's what they tried to relay to me, but that wasn't the motive. So here, the Pharisee, you know who they were. You know their, uh, how they were looked upon, highly esteemed. So he starts out, I thank thee. What does he thank him for? Does it make any difference what we thank him for? Well, let's go a little farther. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus within himself, God, I thank thee. What's he thanking for? That I, you remember what uh, Satan said? Satan's doctrine? I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. And Nebuchadnezzar, I built this kingdom, my might and my power and my majesty. So here this Pharisee, I thank thee that I am not as other men. We'll talk about that. Are you, was he as other men? Are you as other Mankind, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector, publican. Look at this guy. I'm thankful that I'm not like him. And then he goes on to tell God, I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I Possess. See, he starts out thanking God. Does that make it okay? 
We, I, I thank you, God, then just whatever comes after doesn't make any difference. Well, we'll see that certainly that's not true. You see what he thanked God for. I'm not as other men. I fast twice a week. I give tithes out of all that I possess. Let me tell you something. You don't possess anything. I don't possess anything. God gives us things. But it's God. So then the Pharisee starts out, I thank God, I thank God. Now, verse 13. And the tax collector, or publican, you know how they're viewed. Standing afar off, would not so much as lift his eyes into heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So this tax collector, this publican, uh, didn't come, I thank you that I am not like other men or anything like that. He didn't ask that at all. He says... And lifted up, or, uh, and the tax collector, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. The Pharisee seemed proud and boastful that he was not a sinner. We know Paul, who was a Pharisee, Apostle Paul, a Pharisee. He says, oh, touching righteousness with the law, he says, I'm blameless. That's the way these Pharisees felt. They looked at the letter of the law. But here's this tax collector. God be merciful to me, a sinner. So what, who was, well, let's just read verse 14. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. How do you go before God? How do you go before God in prayer? How do you go before God in worship? God, uh, boy, I'm glad I'm not like him. God, I'm, I'm not perfect, but I'm better than this one. I'm better than that one. Or do you say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So uh, we know the answer uh, to that. Uh, the Pharisees were looking to the letter of the law they were not looking for mercy. Uh, basically, they was wanting to be judged on their merit. Because, after all, it's telling God their merit, all the things that they did. That's what they were wanting to be judged for. I think people in the world today, well, we know they are. There's people that are the same way. God, boy, I thank thee that this, this, and this. And uh, I think that I'm not like this one over here. I'm not as others. 
I do this and I do that. We know there are many in the world today that go before God that way. God, look at me. You know, and I've got, I don't have it here, but I get that filthy rag out once in a while. Isaiah said, we're all an unclean thing and all of our righteousness are filthy rag. He didn't just say those people. We're all as an unclean thing. And all of our righteousness are filthy rags. So what are they doing? What was the Pharisee or the Pharisees of this day and age? What are they doing? Going before God, holding up those filthy rags. God, look at me. They'll have them filthy rags on. God, look at me. They don't realize that they're filthy rags, do they? God have mercy. Uh, so now, let's go back in verse one, uh, 1 of chapter 51. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. He doesn't say, have mercy upon me because I deserve it. He doesn't say, have mercy upon me because I'm doing the best I can. Doesn't say have mercy upon me because I'm really sincere. I've talked to people that they, they want to preach law to me, 10 or 600. And I'll say, well, if that's the way, can you keep it? Can you keep 10? And then their answer is, well, I believe if you're trying and you're sincere and you're doing the best you can... Find a scripture that says God will accept anything other than perfection. You won't find it. Perfection only will he accept. Or they say, God, have mercy upon me because I'm I'm better than these other ones. Mercy, and it says, according to thy loving kindness. It's according to something, not according to how good I am. Not according to how sincere I am. Have mercy upon me according to thy Loving kindness. Uh, let's go to First John chapter 4 real quick. First epistle, John. Back before Jude and Revelation. First epistle. Chapter 4. In verse 10, herein is love, not that we love God, but that he lived up, He loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. He sent his son, so that's why we ask mercy uh, according to his mercy. And then verse uh, 16 And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because he is, so are we in this world. And there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear hath punishment. He that feareth is not Uh, perfect in love so if we look at God's love then there should be no fear 
Verse 19 says we love him because he first loved us. So if we look at love, it casts out the fear. If we look at his love, if we look at his mercy. Now the Pharisee wasn't looking at God's love, was he? He was looking at himself, his righteousness, his obedience, and what he did or didn't do. That's what he was looking at. That's what much of the religious world does today. They look at their cells, what they do, what they don't do. But the Pharisee or the uh, publican, uh, have mercy upon me. I'm just looking for thy love and thy mercy, not don't look on me is what he was saying. Uh, and in Psalm 73, so we're in Psalm studying, but we'll go to a different Psalm, Psalm 73. And twenty six. Well, let's go back to twenty four. Actually, twenty five is what I wanted anyway. So let's go back to twenty four. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. So if God does that, that should cast out your fear. And twenty five is what I wanted to read. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon the earth that I desire beside thee. Whom have I in heaven but thee? I heard, a, I'm getting off my lesson a little bit, but I heard a, uh, uh, I guess, channel surfing and uh, heard a song. And uh, I understand it's a love song. I understand, but... Listen what it said. It said, uh, if I had, I think, well, I probably don't have it wrong. If I had seven minutes in heaven, I would want to spend it with you. Well, it's talking about their spouse. I understand the love story part of it, but if you had seven minutes in heaven, would you want to spend it with your Lord? So, uh, whom have I in heaven but thee? I'm not saying we won't love our loved ones and so forth, but that just, that hit me pretty hard. If I had seven minutes in heaven, I'd want to spend it with this person, loved one. Didn't say spouse, but I, I believe that's what it meant, a loved one. But it wasn't talking about the Lord. And, and the song that Mort sings, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but said this, this person had a dream. He dreamed that he went to heaven. And uh, he saw his family there, and uh, they, he saw the golden streets, and they escorted him around and everything. And here's uh, Abraham, Isaac, and he said, I saw Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and, and Matthew, Mark, and Timothy, saw all these great things. He said, but I want to see Jesus. He's the one that died for me. So this person in his song, I understand it's a love song, but it just, I guess, didn't hit me the right way. Uh, to whom have I in heaven but thee? Who do you want in heaven? Who do you want in judgment but the one that loves you and has mercy? Uh, and, well, let's see. Let's just go to Romans chapter 8. 
a uh, scripture that brings much comfort and casts out fear. Romans chapter 8 and uh, verse 28 certainly would do that, but we're not, we'll not go there. Uh, let's go to verse 31. What should we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? So doesn't that cover, uh, every, doesn't that cover all your fears? If God be for us, who can be against us? The publican or the uh, Pharisee may have been against the publican. Does it matter? Well, I, boy, I'm glad I'm not like this publican. Does that affect God? Does, that, does God look at that when the, when, when the Pharisee prayed, Oh, God, I thank you for all these things, and that I, 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 and boy, I especially thank you that I am not like this publican or tax collector. Does that affect God? Does God think, well, you know, he's got a good point. That tax collector is not a very good... No, didn't affect God, did it? Which one went down justified? Which one did God have mercy on? The tax collector. Uh, so here, verse 31, what should we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? So what does it matter if the, uh, pub, or if the Pharisees are pointing fingers at you? What does it matter? 32, uh, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Well, those Pharisees will. Satan will. Does it matter? Oh, does that affect God? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Shall God that justify it? You remember this tax collector went down, he went back justified, not the other one. Shall God that justifies? So this tax collector that God justified, is he going to lay charge against him? Verse 34, who is he that condemneth? Shall Christ that died, yea, rather is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us? Is he going to condemn you? All the, the Pharisees may say, yeah, you should condemn him. The devil may say, yeah, you should condemn her. But Christ is sitting at the right hand of God making intercession for us. That doesn't have any effect on him. Verse 35, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or, or sword? What will separate us from that love of God and of Christ? The Pharisee telling, Oh, I'm glad I'm not, I'm glad I'm not in your shoes. God, I'm glad I'm, I'm not in the shoes of this tax collector. You see what a terrible statement that is? What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or pearl or sword? And going down to verse 38. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, 
nor any other creation shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I, I've told you many times, I heard a man on television teaching on this one time. And I was just channel surfing, and boy, did I stop when he was teaching on this uh, here in this 8th chapter of Romans. And what shall separate us from the love of God? And I thought, oh, this is really interesting. And he'd go down through there, and he put great emphasis. Uh, uh, death won't do it. Life won't do it. Principalities, powers can't do it. Uh, nothing present, nothing can come. Height nor death, nothing can separate you. And Chuck, I was, I was so excited. I was already looking. How can I contact this ministry and everything? And then, as many times as we know well, got to the end. He said, nothing can separate you from the love of God except you. How sad. How sad. But anyway, uh, so certainly nothing can separate you from the love of God. Uh, let's see. Something else I wanted to look at. Uh, in Psalms 89... When uh, what can separate us from the love of God? And people say, well, you know, this or that. Or certainly the Pharisee would say, yeah, if you work on the seventh day of the week or, or uh, buddy, maybe if you work on a new moon or if you work on the, the Sabbath of the land, uh, then that'll separate you from the love of God. I, let me tell you this story once again. I've told you many times. It's very sad as well. As far as what will separate you from the love of God. What will separate you from the love of Christ? I told you this story. I heard it on television. There's this elderly woman in a nursing facility, been a good Christian all of her life, ready to die and go home to Jesus. And her son come in with a deck of cards. And to help pass the time, his loving mother, they begin to play cards. And then all of a sudden, her feet started burning with the flames of hell's fire. She died and went to hell. How foolish. How foolish is that? What would have to tear Romans chapter 8 out of the Bible, as well as the rest of it, if that were true. So, so the, here's this woman, a good Christian all her life, plays cards with her son, and now she went to hell. So, I'm not saying that playing cards is uh, a sin against God or anything like that. I'm not, I'm, I, that wasn't, I hope you know that wasn't my, uh, uh, my purpose in giving you that. But God's children will sin. God's children are sinners. All mankind is sinners. But you say, well then, if he loves me and has mercy on me, then if I do something, then he'll, he'll take that away and he won't love me and won't have mercy on me anymore. Uh, in Psalms 89, Now our lesson said, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. Loving kindness is about the same thing as mercy. Psalms 89, verse 30. If his children forsake my law and walk not in mine ordinances, if they break my statutes and keep not my commandments. We know Israel was constantly doing this, weren't they? 
Then will I visit their transgressions with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. Nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from him nor allow my faithfulness to fail. My covenant will I not break nor will I alter the thing that's going out of my lips. He says, I want to, yeah, there are things going to happen that uh, there will be chastening. But it's, you haven't been removed from God's love. It's my loving kindness, I want my mercy, I won't remove. I won't alter, I won't break my promises, in other words. So, uh, to those that believe that uh, you will, those believe that you can fall from grace, now you can fall from the grace of the, you can fall from the teaching of grace, but you can't fall from the grace of God. Again, you may fall from the, the, the teaching or even the belief, but you can't fall from, pardon me a minute, my Bible's falling apart again. Uh, you can't fall from the, uh, you can fall from the teaching or temporarily fall from the belief of grace, but you can't fall from God's grace as we sing. What can separate you from his loving kindness? Nothing. Especially you. I'm going back to what that man said again. He, he went down through there. None of these things can separate you. No powers, no principalities. He, so he's talking about Satan and everybody. No powers, no principalities. Nobody can separate you from the love of God. Except you. Where does that put you? Up above everything else, doesn't it? How sad. Um, okay, back... Well, shoot, I'm going to say, let's, back, let's go look at verse 2 and 3. Well, let's just look at verse 1 again, and then we'll close. Uh, Psalms 51 and 1. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Isn't that about what the uh, publican or tax collector said? That's, that's about the same thing he said, opposite of what the Pharisee said. May the Lord bless the speaking of his word. We're dismissed. <laughs>